This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 62 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. In today's episode, we speak with retired racehorse trainer Ashley Francis as she comes back with several blue ribbons from the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Our RRP Spotlight writer is Danielle Palermo-Clark, and she joins us to share her experience in pin hooking to get her makeover horse. And of course, fan favorite Leandra Cooper jumps in with another tip and introduces our adoptable horse of the week. So stay tuned. And Jamie, it's an extra special week because we announce our 500 Instagram follower giveaway winner today. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Thank you guys so much for following us there. Yes. And our listener of the week and winner of the fabulous box of crap is Alexandra Kerr at ILX Kerr, if I pronounce that wrong. I'm so sorry. L-E-X-X-K-E-R-R. <laughs> there so you congratulations, go. Alexandra. I will message you to get all of your shipping information. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to see our next giveaway. Now back to the show. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Jamie. Yes. What kind of shopping habits have you started during all of this crazy? Like, what are, what are you doing? I bought a new horse. He's beautiful, although he's got some issues. He's a crypt orchid. Um, he's got some sort of swollen leg syndrome. <laughs> but and, uh, also seems like he's got dead doll eyes. He's a little stiff. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I bought a ginormous uh, what I didn't realize it was going to be so big. I bought a huge, pl- basically fiberglass horse <laughs> off of where else would you shop for something like that? Facebook Marketplace. Why? <laughs> because all I have to ask is why. I know it's so funny. The comments were, oh my God, I want to have that in my living room and sit on it. No, you don't. Cause it's pretty creepy, but I teach oh, clinics. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a Monty Roberts certified instructor. And when I was taking the courses, we had a giant fiberglass horse at Monty's farm that we use for learning how to handle lines, learning how to tack up the, 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 the procedure for tacking a starter horse is very specific and you have to do it very specifically. And so it's just one more thing in the way of, being able to successfully teach clinics here at my farm, a flyover farm. So that is why I got him. Although I did not know he would be so big. I mean, it's yeah. huge. You have to put him in a horse trailer to haul it anywhere. You know what? My dear husband drove him all the way from like an hour southwest of Dallas all the way here to Oklahoma. It took him about five hours with traffic. And uh, basically, it looked like a dead horse was in the bed of the truck. He just laid him yeah. down on some towels. And 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 it's funny. He did blindfold him, too, to protect his uh, forelock because he does have hair. Oh, and, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And he's a 
and the, the the problem is I I didn't it said he was 153 and I was like oh 153 that's a good size um yeah his head is straight up in the air so to actually practice bridling oh he's I'm gonna have strong he's just off the track this right. is wonderful exactly <laughs> he's head straight in the air so to actually get a bridle on him I have to stand I'm gonna have some sort of mounting block or some sort of step ladder to be able to even bridle him he's so huge I had no idea oh, but God. It's pretty awesome and pretty creepy. And there's a lot of things physically. We did name him. I let my husband name him and he named him Steve. So we have a giant plastic creepy Steve, but bless him. He's going to, he's going to go through the hands of a lot of people. Hopefully when they learn the procedure for tacking. And I mean, what a better way to have a horse to, Stand completely still than one that's There you not go. Alive. You rarely have that opportunity. I mean, I'm tr- still trying to get my horse to stand completely still. Well, you know, I poor Duke. I have a Duke who's 28 years old, and he is always the one who has to kind of do this job when people mm. are learning, and he just stands there and he takes it. Now I can give Duke a little break because we have Steve. I bet he loves creepy Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so far, the horses have not been super excited about Steve. So I've right at this point until I can introduce them all properly. Steve is in the garage. Uh, so Fair now enough. when you walk out in the garage, he scares the bejesus out of you. You're like, ah, <laughs> like I know he's there and he still scares me, but oh we'll get used to him. <laughs> now, speaking of, of horses that are alive, Joy, I hear you are back in back in the saddle I guess yes it's been a long time coming I spent a long time on foundational groundwork with my horse um by that I mean like almost two years with riding here and there but there was just a lot of gaps like safety hazard gaps that needed to be addressed and it's all paid off it's she's like a whole different horse it's been really lovely getting back in the saddle although we have some new habits that have been been interesting. <laughs> so my horse is like, I lovingly call her a cinnamon roll. She's a 16 hand, fairly chunky, easy keeper thoroughbred. And so she looks pregnant right now when we mm. ride. And she has like meat sweats basically <laughs> by the time we tack them. But it's not anxiety. Like she's chill as a cucumber right now. It's just the fact she gets hot very easily because she's it's fat. August. It sucks everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So we're riding. Everything's going good. And she used to be evasive with any type of cardio, much like myself, where she would like spook at things. And now it's more like she's learned in dressage. If I just go to X and I halt square, she'll get off. So she (laughs) beelines and halts at X and sets herself up like, all right, I did it. I did the test. I was like, we literally have been here for five minutes. Yeah. Like, you got to keep going. Keep going. Now the new one, there's a tarp in the arena that has shavings on it because it's, you know, it's kind of a more like family barn. It's not super showy. And most horses would be terrified to step on the tarp. My horse has been trying to climb into the sawdust pile to avoid but, trot work. 
Oh, bless her. I have actually hired Louise Robson, who was on our last episode, to give us some pointers. So Astrid will be learning from the Queen's trainer (laughs) on how to get it together and embrace cardio the same way I had to on the Stairmaster yesterday. Yes. So it's been a fun journey. We're we're ready to get into action. (laughs) Bring her in your house and let her see what you do. You know, that or she could become the next Steve. She probably would rather be creepy. <laughs> as long as you can continue to feed her snacks, she'd rather be Steve. Well, I'm glad you're getting in some lessons and you're getting some stuff worked out with her. So that's great. Yes. Our goal is to hopefully do a, a dressage test in December as a Christmas gift to myself. I never oh, said we were going to do well. The goal is just to finish the test. That's absolutely. The goal. <laughs> the goal is to finish with a number and not a letter. That's exactly. what I always say. Exactly. Well, before we talk about other goals that we're going to have, let's hear from our title sponsor, our friends at Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, Jamie, I'm super stoked to have Ashley Francis on. I've been trying to get her on this show for so long when the universe has finally opened the chance for her to join us today. She's a riding instructor, saddle fitter, and freelance rider. If you read Horse Nation, you've probably seen a few of her articles. She's uniquely retrained standard breads and thoroughbreds, so she's obviously a wealth of knowledge for the show. And you can find her showing Western dressage and trail with her herd of retired racehorses. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm so excited to have you. I feel like we've been in, in the midst of having you on for what was it like two months? It's just you're it's such a busy a gal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. Oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I would love to know where are you calling us from? Where are you working out of? I am currently, I just got home from teaching a lesson and I'm back on my farm in Carlisle. Okay. Pennsylvania. And- Pennsylvania. Okay. Our uh, producer and basically our boss has been traveling on a road show and he was in Pennsylvania recently. So that's very cool. Small world. Oh yeah. I just yeah. got back from New Jersey over the weekend. And so it was, which is actually where I'm like from. So it was nice okay. to be home. Very nice. And I am so excited to get into the standard bread show because it was very successful for you. But before we it jump into that... 
I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and introduce you to our listeners. So tell us, how long have you been training retired racehorses now? I believe this is 16, 17 years, I think. I've been working with racehorses for a really long time. I had one that I retrained when I was a teenager and loved him thoroughbred and loved him very dearly. And and then when I got back into doing training really seriously, I decided to focus on thoroughbreds. And then about five years ago, I met my first standard bred and that kind of opened up a different type of racehorse to come in. I'm so honored. Like you again, I just need to ha- probably have you on the show like three to five times just for the wealth <laughs> of knowledge you're probably carrying. I'm sure the burning question that most people could think of is what are the commonalities between both standard breads and thoroughbreds you found? And what are the major differences in training them? So one of the most basic commonalities is that when you first go to ride them, they're both very like kind of forward minded breeds and they're not used to having somebody like stand on a mounting block and make them stand still. And so like, they're very like, let's just go. And so usually I do a lot of work really early on with both breeds to get them like standing quietly, especially at a mounting block so that I can get on and off without like having the horse disappear two seconds later, just to like kind of work through that whole process. Cause it's something that they don't do a whole lot. And then one of the other major things is that in their work, they kind of use bits differently. People always have these misconceptions that the horses pull into the bits when they're racing, but that's not exactly true. But the way that they react to a bit is different than the way that we want them to react to a bit when we're trying to get them soft and supple in the dressage world. And so I do a lot of work early on with both breeds to kind of get them a little bit reacting more to the bit in the way that I want them to now that they're performance sources and a little bit less in the way that they used to when they were in some of the cases like very successful racehorses. So I'm like, okay, we're going to have a little bit of a difference there, even though I'm going to try to allow you to still do the thing that you know how to do. So those are the two things that I find most common about both breeds. And, Mm -hmm. um, A lot of people, I'm sure, would go immediately to the differences that standard breads have a reputation for being a little bit chiller, whereas thoroughbreds have a reputation for being a little bit, like, Mm hotter-minded. I think I've worked with so many of both breeds that I don't really get into that much of a generalization because... I've worked with a very chill thoroughbreds and very hot standard breads. And so I'm like, eh, like it kind of goes either way. And my herd, like they live together. So they all just like my standard breads canter around with my thoroughbreds and they race each other. And like, it doesn't, there's not quite as much of a line, like at least in my own life, as I think some people have in their heads. That's nice to know that it is more of a stereotype generalization. So really at the end of the day, it's kind of, Finding the right horse for you, if you're on the search of adopting an X-race horse, whether it's a thoroughbred or a standard bred, it's finding that right personality for you at the right level for you. And if you have a preference on the breed, that's great. But if not, you're open to it. It sounds like yeah. options are endless. 
I do honestly think that it's a stereotype that really hurt both breeds, both from a like, oh, thoroughbreds are hot. So, of course, you don't want that if you want a kid's horse. And also from the perspective of, oh, standard breds aren't capable of doing X and Y and Z. So you don't want that. You want a thoroughbred so that it can be sportier. And that's just patently not always true. Like standard breds at big shows, cantering and jumping and they're just as athletic. And it's just like sometimes if you just write them off as just being like really chill and they only trot and they work with the Amish, like you're missing a whole breed of horse that's fabulously athletic. And so I kind of think that the stereotypes hurt both breeds. Ashley basically just created the banner of why we have this show. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you for contributing that today. And your standard bread actually proved against the stereotypes at the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Tell us a little bit about your standard bread and his incredible story because he really was an underdog. Oh, my goodness. I can't even like talk about James without crying. So in, in 2019... I met this horse, it was in December 6th, in a kill pen. My standard bred had passed away. I had an older, kind of not very sound standard bred that just did trail lessons. And like, he was the best horse and I loved him. And he had been pulled from a kill pen and then the people who got him didn't want him. And eventually he wound up with me. And so we were getting near Christmas and I was feeling kind of sad about losing him. And I was like, well, there's a bunch of horses in the kill pen and I'll do something positive. I always like to pay it forward. So I was like, I'll do something really positive and I'll go in and I'll help my friend who does quarantine, get pictures and get horses sent to the SRS and through the full circle program and things like that. And so I went to help her and we climbed up. There were several of us there. We climbed up on the gates and started calling numbers of horses to see who was on the list. And this horse 503 kept appearing in front of me, like again and again. And I kept calling number 503 and she kept saying, he's still not on the list. And eventually, like when we started pulling horses to take photos of and jog videos and things like that, I pulled him out of the pen without a lead rope or anything, just grabbed him by the halter and he followed me like a big giant puppy dog. And eventually I just put him on the trailer and that was it. And so he went to my friend's house for quarantine that night. And then I broke him to ride in January. So around like mid January. And he did the PA Horse World Expo in February of 2020 with 10 rides under his belt and was incredible. And and then earlier this year, we got asked do this video series called the road to nationals for the trot trot channel and i was really terrified i think i even told you that so i yes we did talk about it when you first got started i think we definitely talked about that because he is in a show horse like i had Mm -hmm. taken him home and i had turned him into a really nice trail mount and he had turned into this really cool kid blessing horse but he wasn't a show horse. He hadn't done any shows. And I was like, how much can I ask of this horse? Like I found him under dire circumstances. He's been perfect. And like, can I really expect him to do this? And then I started doing virtual like standard bread only shows with him. And he started bringing home ribbons. And I was like, 
Hmm. And then we started doing local shows, but in open company, like against quarter horses and warm bloods and thoroughbreds and things like that. And he won just about everything, but just first or second in every class I put him in from Western dressage to mountain trail to like competitive trail obstacles, he would just like kind of look at me like, okay, hold my beer. And he'd take home ribbons and I'd be like, oh, okay. So I guess we're going to the national show. So he, he won all four of his Western dressage classes at nationals and got high score as well as like an award for being well turned out. And like, like he just, he brought home everything and a grand champion ribbon. And like, I just was over the moon floored by how well he did and how well behaved he was for his first like giant show he'd been to. That's absolutely wild. Especially because again, we talked in like, I think late spring about this. You're like, I don't know if this horse can be a show horse. I, I don't know if it's worth putting him out there. And he comes home with all these beautiful ribbons and we'll definitely post the photo on our social media oh so you guys can see. And like, he even looks like he's so chill. Like he's like taking a nap in these photos. And like, I'd be screaming if that were my horse right now. But then again, like she's a no. potato. So like that would be a big he deal. He was literally like just looking at them. Like, Aww. did you get my good angle? I know my booty's kind of large. Like he was so chill about everything. He was really well behaved the whole time. His first show was May 20. Like, I, I just can't, that is such a compressed timeline. And he was like, I got this, like, it's fine. But you're not necessarily a stranger to a compressed timeline. You've done the thoroughbred makeover as well in the past. Oh, yes. I've been doing the makeover since I think 2016, if that's correct. But I usually like take rather hard horses. My, my 2019 horse, Harper Valley, who I love dearly, and he's amazing, but he was a homicidal maniac at one point. He's gotten a lot better and he's like delightful now, but he was not the easiest horse. They actually Mm -hmm. made like my shipper sign a thing that said that they would not bring the devil horse back with him. So he's, he's difficult. So like with Riley, it was kind of a, the compressed timeline. I tried to think of the makeover as almost like a speed bump along Mm. the way to his eventual fame and success and not like that he was actually going to do well with that. But with, with my other horses, I don't mind so much training on a compressed timeline with riot was like, well, we're definitely not going to be able to go and be competitive. So we're just going to take this as like taking a big show atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then like two years from now, when you're actually mature and able to handle your emotions, we can actually be competitive. Well, it's definitely no easy feat either way, whether it's just having a few months exactly. like you had with James or having the nine months of the makeover, that is a testament to your training skills as well. So definitely you deserve everything that's come your way. You put in the work. Oh, I would love to ask you. a little bit for our listeners to learn about what the National Standard Bread Horse Show is. And if someone does have a standard bread, how can they qualify for that? So it is like they always call, and I agree with it, the Retired Racehorse Project Thoroughbred Makeover, like the happiest horse show ever. This may give it a run for its money. I've been to both now, and I'm like, these are the happiest people I've ever met at either show. And I feel like, again, the commonality is that 
both thoroughbred people and standard bred people really care about their horses and they care about promoting the breeds. And that is so much more important than like who's winning and whether or not you got like a nice ribbon and whatnot. Like it's just the actual mission is so much more important. And I think it makes both shows really fun. So nationals is in August, like mid August. And it's in New Jersey at the horse park of New Jersey. And it's, just amazing like they have every class you could possibly want to do like there's regular dressage there's western dressage there's speed events there's driving because of course they're standard breads and then there's like lead line classes one of the most fun classes this year was called the bucket bitch class (laughs) um, like basically it's for anybody you bring along who's not a rider and who's never won a blue ribbon. And they dressed the handlers and horses up in costumes and then like made them ride a trail pattern, but like a very simple one. And you could have your like person on a lead line or they could be by themselves. And it was like this whole class for like those people who come to shows with us and are just helpers. And like, it just really celebrated them in this really fun way. And there's a ton of walk trot classes or walk Mm -hmm. pace if you have a pacer, which allows you to be able to show your horse, even if your canner's not there. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that I had never, like thinking of nationals, it's such a scary word. And I was Mm -hmm. so worried about taking James because he's kind of green. But there were so many options for like, Mm -hmm. if your horse is still a little bit greener. So I think it's one of those things that like, if you have a standard bread, don't be intimidated by the term nationals, like plan to come. And even I met a ton of people this year who were a little bit intimidated and didn't bring their horses, but they came and like took a vacation and watched the show. And they were also buoyed by like what they saw there that they were like, oh, we could totally compete next year. And I shouldn't have been cowed by this. And so like, it's just this really friendly vibe. And like, I just can't wait. I have a bunch of my students wanting to come next year because they're just so thrilled with the fact that like, it wasn't scary and intimidating. And it was just like a really welcoming environment. I love that's really what we need like throughout the equestrian community, like these fun shows that celebrate the horse, celebrate the rider. It sounds like it's a very good party. I feel like I need to make a trip next year to come check it out myself, even though I don't have a standard bread, but it sounds like a fun party for sure. Yeah. You could totally ride James. Like come, you could do an English class on him. It would be so much fun. He says that now, Jamie, until she sees me ride. (laughs) No, you are invited. Like just, it's totally fine. It would be so much fun. I love it. I love it. Well, it sounds like it's an amazing time. It sounds like a great example. And it's amazing that there's something for standard breads. Cause I think a lot of times there are breads do get celebrated over them. And they're just as important. They have an equally hard job and they're coming out of retirement as well, looking for that second career. And this is just a fabulous way to celebrate it. So congratulations to you and James. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I'm sure there's more to come. If people want to follow you, where's the best place to do so? So I am on Instagram as Franchisee Horse Training, and then also on Facebook as Smart Saddle Fit. 
and things like that. So that's always a good way to kind of keep up with what my boys and I are doing. I have all geldings right now. So it's literally like an entire herd of men and then me. That's a good way to do it. Right. Sounds like my biggest nightmare, but I'm a mayor person. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on today. I have a lot of like late cut geldings. So like it would make it hard for me to have a mayor. That's in the true. mix, because some of them are very silly. The one thing I will say that, like, I have been jaw-dropped about being around, like, a ton of standard breads this past weekend is how much money they make on the racetrack. Like, there were horses there that were millionaires. Like, they'd won, like, $2 million. And it's just, like, they're just drops. They're like, how much money did you make, buddy? And they're just like, oh, I'm fancy. Like, hair flick. They race so much longer. They have an opportunity to race so many more times and make that a part of their life because it's not quite as physically punishing on them as galloping. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was so cool to kind of see that like in person. Like, I'm like, oh, you're famous. Hi, buddy. (laughs) It was just so neat. Definitely, if you want the opportunity to ride a $1 million horse, try out a standard bread. You can contact Ashley and she'll set you up. Oh my goodness. It's true. Like, it's crazy to just think that they make that much money. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us today. We'll be following you and James as well as the rest of your herd. And uh, good luck on your next endeavors. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Have a lovely night. You too. Jamie, the end is near, but we're not quite at the finish line of fly (laughs) season yet. Dosh darn it. But it's okay because we have Cashel Company and Cashel Company line has everything you need for you and your horse to stay fly free and comfortable this summer. With the Crusader line, there's fly masks, fly sheets and fly boots. It comes in an array of colors and styles as well as sizes from your mini to your draft. There's something for everyone in there. And it's an amazing alternative to chemical fly sprays that are expensive and don't last that long. So don't forget to check out Cashel's Quiet Ride as well to enjoy those long summer hacks. And yes, mosquitoes are out. You need this if you're riding in the evening. Get the Cashel Quiet Ride line. It'll keep the flies and mosquitoes from ruining your ride. There's something for you. You can have the helmet cover so you're not getting them in your eyeballs like I do. It's the worst. And then also for your horse to keep them fly free and happy as you ride along. So treat you and your horse to some fly free comfort and check out Cashel Company's Crusader and Quiet Ride products today at any of the nationwide authorized dealers or visit www.cashelcompany.com. Our spotlight rider for today is going to be Danielle Palermo-Clark, who found her love for thoroughbreds after interning at a Kentucky breeding farm, and she's galloped racehorses. And then she's going to be in this year's Mega Makeover. Hello, Danielle. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about your makeover horse because the way you acquired him or her is a little bit different. So tell us first about your yourself. Where in the world are you? Sure. Well, I'm um, currently I'm in Michigan. I now sell commercial insurance. I miss my family, but I kind of did the thoroughbred thing for 10 or 12 years before moving back home. But since it's not a very strong industry in Michigan, I kind of had to take a different path up here. Yeah, it's nice to be able to pay for your horses, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, definitely. (laughs) The 
the flip side is not having enough time to ride as much as I'd like to, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm not used to. Cause funny enough, when I was riding full time, I, I continually, like I always rode my horses also. So I don't know why this like office stuff is so exhausting and I come home and I'm like, oh. story of my life, no. Danielle. Story <laughs> of my life. Yes, we've all <laughs> been so there. Adjusted. It's all, I think, do you do it before work? Do you do it after work? Do you do it on the weekends? What do you do? Yeah, I know. It's exhausting having a having an office job where you have to focus on one thing and then you want to get out there and play with your ponies. Now, you are going to the makeover this year. Tell us a little bit about your makeover horse. Sure. So my makeover horse, I called Jack. His jockey club name is Top Secret Indie. I actually bought him as a short yearling out of the January Horses of All Ages sale in 2016 with intentions of pin hooking him. Yes, the the All Ages sale is at Keeneland. And then I brought him back to Fazic Tipton October uh, yearling sale to pin hook. And he failed to meet his reserve. So I brought him home and I was very nervous as I had taken out a loan to purchase him. He wasn't expensive, that expensive for in, in the grand scheme of things, but it was very expensive to me. So now I'm stuck with this horse. Um, and long story short, I still have him and I love him, but we can get into the details of what happened afterwards. So the pin hooking is for those who might not know, explain a little bit about what pin hooking is. Sure. Pin hooking is when you take a horse that you think is going to be worth a bit more either based on the pedigree is going to spike like you, you kind of have inside information or uh, you see a physical that you think is really going to blossom or the female something about this horse you think you're going to be able to make quite a pretty penny on so people typically your target pin hooking range is probably like between like 75,000 and 150,000 and, and any and then I've seen some success stories, but my budget at the time was twenty thousand, so that can get a little bit tougher. I bought a he's a take charge indie who although he he was ended up being the the leading first crop sire for his class that year and then second for a second crop and leading third cropper when they and Winstar purchased him back they there were they were kind of ugly horses, and they, mm-hmm. he didn't have any runners, so they did not sell very well. Those first yearlings did not sell very well, but they did end up being very talented runners. So pin hooking is kind of a, a weird thing. So, yeah. So basically you buy them with the intention of selling them at the next auction, hopefully getting some more when they've got a little age, a little growth, maybe a little bit of uh, word about their bloodlines getting a little more popular. So you bought him as a yearling and then did were you didn't sell him. And then you say you bought him as a weanling or as a yearling? I bought him as a short yearling. So I bought okay. him in January of his yearling year. So they call gotcha. that like a short yearling. Sure. Because he's technically a year, but not actually. So if um, he didn't sell and then you've got this horse to be eligible for the makeover, he had to go into training at some point. So did he do that? Yep, he did. So I I have this horse now and I gathered a bunch of family, friends, some word of mouth, some online advertising, and I ended up creating a partnership to be able to afford to run him. And that's typically the next step. And so I actually broke him out and did all of the training up until I sent him off to basically a trainer in Florida that didn't really work out. And then I ended up sending him out to California where a, a good friend and ex-coworker of mine, Reed France, did a phenomenal job with him. 
So he raced his, he started his three-year-old year. He raced three, four, and five. Although between those three years, he only raced seven times. We were very diligent about giving him time off when he needed it. I was always really proud of our partnership as far as putting the horse first. So it stunk that we didn't get to experience that many races, but we definitely had fun and we took really good care of our horse. And I think that's important. Well, obviously that shows if he's now in training for his second career, which, what is that? Well, I don't, I don't exactly know yet, but (laughs) (laughs) my husband and I team rope. So he's not going to be like a a team roping horse. He he just like, he doesn't, he has the power, but you need to be so quick on your feet and it's, it's really hard on him. And typically the closer you're out of the ground, and the more you look like a quarter horse, the better you will be at team roping. But I have been roping the dummy with him. So I'm entering the ranch horse class and extreme trail. But I, he needs quite a lot of rides. I, sure, I hope we come ready. I've really been dedicating myself to putting the time in lately, but it kind of got away from me. I did jump him the other day just for fun. And he, I'm shocked that he can jump. I didn't think he, he would or, and he can. So I, I don't really know. This guy's kind of the limit. He's just kind of like a a fun horse to have around, kind of a play day horse. So whatever he, he can do and likes to do, we will do, basically. So you got plenty of time. You got two more months. You'll be fine. Yeah. Why? Girl, you're yeah, crazy. I, think- <laughs> I, I did the makeover and I was like, it was like afterburners, but my horse was quite difficult and that came from a pretty bad situation, but it sounds like yours at least has been in good hands his whole life. So you might be fine. Okay. That makes me feel so much better. I'm like, I think I can do it, but I follow the Facebook pages and everyone's doing so much. And oh. I'm like, Oh my, and I entered it's as a not professional. Real. Because they I- only put <laughs> highlights. It's not real. <laughs> Listen, Danielle, okay, when I, I g- when I got my horse, my makeover horse, I found him at, uh, at Horse and Hound Rescue and he qualified and he'd had like two races. And then I go to take him home and it was a cold day and I get him home after working quite a bit to get him loaded and he is sweating buckets. And it turns out he had never been loaded without dorm. He had never had his feet trimmed without dorm. The first time we went to, to trim his feet, he fell over. Like, thank oh. God we were outside trimming. It was just, so there, like, so we had a whole bunch of really difficult things. And to make your point, I'm like literally trying to get him to trot a straight line. And people are like, look at my makeover horse. He's jumping three foot courses. And you just want to <laughs> yeah, like winning through. shows and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get this horse off the farm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically, I just started taking him everywhere just to get him to where I would take him in the trailer every day and drive a mile and then come home oh, just to get him OK with trailering. Because I was like, if I go to the makeover, that is 12 hours. He will die in that trailer before <laughs> Before we get there, because he has so much anxiety. So you just take what the horse is telling you and you just figure out one thing at a time. And we got there and we did well, I I was I just had big girl pants on and decided that I was gonna do the freestyle, which I worked incredibly hard on. And then I'm also an eventer, so I decided to do event. Well, that's like training a horse for four different things. That was a terrible oh. idea. 
I, looking back, I would have just okay. focused on one. If I can give you any advice, it would be to focus on one thing because you're so busy when you're competing several days. And if you can just like, like settle down, focus on one thing and then go with that. If you want to be successful, if you want to go out there and just like experience all of it, then do it all. Like, awesome. no, no, I appreciate your feedback. Like I, I almost didn't end. I was deciding between trail and ranch horse and I've had him out and about a few times. The one thing that's on my side and you've made me feel so much better because it sounds like you were in a similar situation. And the one thing I can say about this horse, he's the coolest dude ever. Hardly anything phases him. He's super easygoing, sort of. It depends. He does seem a little more high strung than some of the quarter horses we get around, but they're like highly experienced horses. They've been to a thousand ropings. And so remember, they didn't start like that. They did not start like that. Exactly. So that was my, my, when I go forth, when I go forth from my experience, I tell people just pick one thing and focus on it. I should have, I could have done a lot better if I had just focused on my freestyle, but I had to split my time training for a couple what different things. Freestyle? Girl, I'm not going to lie. I crushed it. Okay. I killed really it. really did. Oh I wish I could amazing. say she was just stroking her ego, but she, <laughs> she actually did. I dressed up. <laughs> I, it turns out that the, the scoring, they took out the art kind of like the flair of it the year that I was there. So it didn't really matter what the music was. You had to just get these things done. But I was dressed as Katniss Everdeen on a four-year-old thoroughbred and I cantered around and shot bows and arrows at targets and popped balloons while I was shooting them. And I hit every target and I got 11th. You are kidding me on a high, (laughs) like on a nervous, like, wow. Oh, he was, you really brought that horse along. I did. And now he's doing great. Now he went on to go be a hunter jumper and they just love him more than anything in the world. So I did good with the horse and I didn't care about the placings because as Joy said, like I achieved what I went to achieve. And that is what you have to look at. When you look at the Facebook page for, I'm just going on about this, about the thoroughbred makeover trainers, those people are all posting the good stuff. And there's about five people that continually post good things. There's about 600 other people that aren't posting because they're you and I having disasters. (laughs) So just get there, do it, have fun with it. Just do right by your horse, which sounds like you've always done and uh, enjoy it. You're going to, you're going to crush it. I can't wait to follow along with you. Oh, I hope so. I hope we don't embarrass ourselves, but we'll have fun. We'll have fun either way. And I'm putting it out there right now. We might embarrass ourselves. So now I won't be so. You know what? If you (laughs) embarrass yourself, record it, and then you can post it on Facebook for a lot of laughs. And so (laughs) it doesn't matter. There is a Facebook page for that. Just so you know, and it's very loved. It makes us all feel good about ourselves. (laughs) So so look, look up shite eventers. A uh, unite, which there's also oh, it's, I follow it's, that page. It's okay, yeah. So you can always have your celebrity <laughs> moment there if everything hits the fan. But <laughs> exactly. I'm sure you guys will do just fine. Um, it's all about the journey at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Well, girl, we wish Danielle, we wish you the best of luck. Good luck. Congratulations on getting this far and getting him and doing right by the horse that you attempted to sell and didn't sell and kept and raced and made a partnership. But it's like a movie. They just made a movie about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That dreamer movie is so cool. They even bred the horse. They bred that horse. Like, uh, oh, I know 
It's you know, so that extra cool. step of anxiety and chaos. Like, get on, get on, get on. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Thank you, girl. We wish you the best of luck. And where can people follow along with your journey? I do post it randomly every now and then on my personal Facebook page. So just my name, Danielle Palermo Clark. No hyphen between Palermo and Clark. And I do post occasional updates of Jack and I. So, Well, good luck to you and Jack. We'll be cheering for you. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. You too, Danielle. It's the time of the week where we get to hook up with Leandra Cooper, who, Leandra, we got to hang out last week in Lexington, Kentucky, when my boss went on a road trip and, and we had a dinner and I flew into Lexington and you came and we got to sit and, and chat about some thoroughbreds. And it was so good to, to put a face with the voice. Absolutely. Same to you. I had a blast. That was really fun. And of course, Sarah had to drag her out of there because I kept asking questions just like I do here on this show. And we have yet another question for you, one that we did not cover last week and face to face. All right, let's hear it. A lot of horses come to me off the track, but they go to a rescue first. And sometimes they come to me sooner rather than later as far as in regards to their time on the track. But you guys get a lot of horses kind of directly off the track and give them some rest. My question mm -hmm. for you is, what is your protocol with shoes? Horses that come off the track, if you don't know, they come with racing plates. They're racing shoes. They have toe grabs. They help them reach forward and grab the dirt and pull. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't work for when you're doing a performance horse because it can cause some injuries when they make turns. And so some of the horses that come off with racing plates, you got to get those things pulled. So what is the protocol at New Vocations for horses when they come to you? That's a great question. I always explain it like wearing cleats, right? Like a lot of people can sort of understand that from playing sports or whatnot, that these horses are basically coming to us wearing metal cleats. So you can imagine just standing on, for example, the cement ground in our barn or even like trying to navigate rocks when we start them in the round pen, when you've got little spikes, basically that that can be really difficult and can put a lot of pressure. So the smaller area, the more pressure that they feel from it. So when you have a cleat, that means especially on the toe there where that toe grab is, there's a ton of pressure being applied. So you're absolutely right. Number one priority is getting them off because they're not necessary for this career path. And just so people know, if they don't already, for, say, example, show jumpers, you might put in studs, so they might have similar things, but even then, it's just as important. Like, you always take the studs out right when you go back to the stall because their feet, of course, you can't have a horse without feet, no feet, no horse. So, we try to keep them, we try to keep that in mind. Like, we want them to start working into the round pens and all of that, but every horse is going to be different. They're all individuals. Some of them have poor hoof wall or some of them have very little soul and it's really hard to read that 
especially if you're just somebody who's maybe new to horse ownership or you, you always just sort of rely on the professionals, the, your farrier and your vet and whatnot to read those sort of things. Or even if you do know a lot about horses, sometimes, like, believe me, we've taken a lot of foot x-rays and sometimes you just can't always anticipate what's going on in there. So it's really important to treat each horse like an individual as far as their threshold for what they can take and what they can't. So number one, it's important to take off the grabs because they're not needed anymore. And usually they're aluminum shoes, so they're going to wear down pretty quickly anyway. You want to switch them out of that. When we're switching them, I would say our default protocol is to put front shoes on them. And we rely on our farriers who we absolutely adore and we trust. It's really important to have equally important as having a good working relationship with your vet, to have a good working relationship with a farrier who you trust, who you think does right by your horse. Because in these situations, we leave it up to their capable hands and making those judgment calls. And we're very lucky because the number of horses that we have and just the different rotations means that we get to have our fare out every single week. So once a week, they just plan on being in our place. So that means for us to say we switch a horse to just steel fronts, right? We pull a plate. Now they just have steel front shoes and we pulled their hind. So if they came in hind shoes, now if they're having a really hard time navigating that, they're really foot sore. The last thing we want to do is end up giving them a bruise or something that's going to take months and months to heal. We don't want this to set them back in their training. We don't want them to be uncomfortable, especially at new vocations. We generally have a relatively short time between when a horse arrives at our facility for that retraining process and the time that they go home with someone. So if they're set back by a bruise, especially if it ends up being like a bone bruise, that's no good. That means somebody might miss out on this horse. They might miss out on a forever home. It's just going to take a lot longer. Another horse can't get that stall. So we're always trying to do as best we can by the horse as quickly as we can by the horse. And that means that sometimes when the farrier comes back next week, we say, hey, this guy is struggling. Do you think we should put hind shoes on? And in that case, we do. The only horses who are barefoot are the ones, for the most part, who are kind of the exceptional cases. And that generally happens when a horse has had a good deal of time off the track already. So sometimes we'll get Mm -hmm. horses who are coming from layup facilities and maybe Mm -hmm. they come to us and they need more time. So if they're ideally the horses who are in 24-7 turnout doing some stage of rehab, they are barefoot. It's a lot easier than not tossing shoes, which means that hopefully they're not pulling foot off with it. And it's nice for them to just be barefoot to be a horse. But that really relies on the individual being comfortable that way. And the reality is a lot of these guys have just been used to being in shoes their whole life for the most part. Obviously not when they're teeny tiny babies, but they've been in shoes for a a good chunk of time in their life, certainly while they're training and navigating different terrains. really important too. Everybody's got different types of terrain. So there are some facilities that are really committed to barefoot, but they also make sure all of their pathways have different graduations and gradients of footing so that the horses can adjust to it. So they might have a very soft round pebbles or they might have like different gradients of it to get the horses used to it. So it really depends. A million different factors in this. But I like to remind people that while there are some horses who just maybe have crummy feet and or just the amount of work it takes, sometimes it isn't possible or with the resources you have, it's not possible to have mm-hmm. a barefoot. 
many horses with enough time and with proper farrier work will be able to adjust to that, but it takes them a year to grow a new foot. So the foot you're working with, especially if you're planning on working with them in a shorter time frame, you really have to accommodate for the individual. There's no cookie cutter plan that's going to work for everyone, but for the most part, we do pretty well just removing the plates and putting them in front shoes and leaving them barefoot behind, but you also have to keep in mind that they're also still building up their hind end muscles because we're asking them to shift their balance, especially to rock back and all that sort of thing. So they might be struggling a little bit more if they're used to being in shoes. So there's just a lot of things to consider, but there are a lot of different options. And number one tip is just make sure that you are working with a farrier who you trust and know and Mm -hmm. can work with well. And it's just so basically each horse is its own individual is what you're saying, basically. And trust your farrier. Definitely trust your farrier. We'll have one that you can trust. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully that's the case. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm I'm looking at your adoptable horse of the week and he has gorgeous legs and gorgeous feet and he's got front shoes on. So he's one of the ones. Tell us a little bit about Coast. So Coast is really one of those diamond in the rough type personalities. This is a horse who at just five years old is maturity wise, a much older horse. So he knows what he's doing. He's really confident in everything that he does almost to a fault because sometimes you have to, like the only downside with him is that you, he does best with somebody who has the confidence to still be able to assert themselves when necessary, because otherwise he'll just take care of you. He's like, all right, we got this. So it's good and bad, depending on what you want to do, but he's very easy to work with, but he's so confident that he is willing to sort of take the rein and hold my beer. He's got this. So (laughs) he's a really neat horse and that's exceptional. Young horses, a lot of times they're lacking that confidence, especially transitioning to a new career. That's something they're always looking to somebody else to be the leader. And he's a leader, but he's also really kind He's the type of horse that's easy to work with in the cross ties. He's easy to tack up. He's easy to get on. You can take him out hacking. So there's, he's a very versatile type. And he's 16 hands, so he's kind of that perfect in-between size. He takes up a good amount of leg. He's gorgeous. He has amazing bloodlines. He's, his sire is Malibu Moon. And those guys we have consistently had really good luck with being kind and good-looking and pretty accomplished athletes so far of the ones that we know who have graduated from our program. Yeah. You you know what I like watching him? I'm sorry, Leandra. Is it that I think one of the most challenging things to teach a a racehorse to do is to just follow your head. Just go straight is the hardest thing to do and to make a turn while staying kind of fairly straight and watching the video. He definitely has that quality. He just he's Mm -hmm. just forward and nice moving and following his head and kind of doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's sure-footed and he's a confident individual. He's just kind of fun to work with and refreshing to us as riders too, because like I said, we're just used to working with so many who are massively opinionated or really lacking confidence or both massively opinionated because they don't really know what else to do. There's this we get this whole range of emotions. It's nice to sometimes just have one that you don't need to manage all the time. 
And Coast has just been coming back from a old injury to his right hind hawk, which at this point, we're still not really sure how much it will restrict him. All of the vet reports and our follow-ups have been really good. So even though he's, we listed him, we always list kind of conservatively because we don't want anybody to get their hopes super set. But as far as his physical ability, we're saying that he can do at least sort of two foot jumps and can probably do a lot more than that. But of course, we both know that a lot of that also depends on how they come back in fitness and through the rehab program and all of that. Mm -hmm. But he's doing really well. And he's just the right personality for it, too, because like I said, you could have some who are really wired and then it's difficult to feel really good about the rehab when they're just trying to touch the sky. And he's not that. He's really an exceptional horse who, even if he were limited, would still have a lot of opportunity because of his personality type. But we adore him and are excited to see what he's going to do in the future with his adopter, whoever that might be. Well, great. You guys can see him, horseadoption.com. His name is Coast, and that is where you can find him. He's a beautiful bay, a 16-hand thoroughbred. So good luck to Coast, and good luck to whoever gets him. He looks pretty special. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Leandra. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website of Retired Racehorse Radio. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Search for Retired Racehorse Radio and follow somebody at the Horse Radio Network on Twitter at Horse Radio. <laughs> and also you can find me on Facebook, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. And you can also email me, Jamie, at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. We could not do this without them. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Dosh darn it. <laughs> remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld dosh. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>